Dishing Up Nutrition, brought to you by Nutritional Weight and Wellness. We have a very important topic to discuss with you this morning, so we're delighted that you're listening to Dishing Up Nutrition. Now, we know February is Heart Healthy Month, so this morning our show is about some of the nutritional factors related to heart disease in women. Now, it may surprise you that one in four women in the United States die of heart disease every year. Heart disease is the most common cause of death in American women, according to the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services. Now, we've got your attention, don't we? (laughs) Now, in the past, we only had to worry about men getting heart disease, but now we know that one in 16 women will have coronary heart disease. The most common cause of heart disease for women is actually the narrowing or the blockage of those coronary arteries that supply the blood vessels to the heart. Now, as a nutritionist, the fundamental question I believe we need to ask is, what is causing this dramatic increase in heart disease in in women? So listeners, you may be asking, well, what causes the narrowing of the arteries or what can we do to prevent disease? Now, as a nutritionist, I know that food is very powerful. So we want to share some of the new research about the causes of heart disease in women and what we can do to prevent heart disease. I'm Shelby Olson. I'm a licensed nutritionist with a master's degree in nutrition, and I am in the studio this morning with two fun people. Now, first and foremost, I get to introduce Mel. (laughs) Melanie Beasley is a registered dietitian with several years of working with clients in a variety of settings, including the Navy. But the other fun person that I have in studio this morning is my dad, Jeff Hummel. Welcome, Jeff. (laughs) We're not giving him the mic this morning, although he he probably has lots to say about nutrition after our discussion last night. But Mel, I just have to tell you briefly, I used to go to take your daughter to work day with my dad. And so I thought it was only appropriate that it's take your dad to work day. (laughs) Very appropriate. So it's exciting. So we're going to have a fun show this morning. We've got some good people here to, to talk about heart disease. Now, Mel, you and I both work with clients one-on-one. We work with clients utilizing nutrition therapy. Good word. Nutrition therapy. Right. What does that really mean? That means that, we are using nutrition to make changes, dramatic changes in how people feel and live. Therapeutic. Exactly. Therapeutic changes. Exactly. Now, because we're seeing more and more of these clients having positive results with real food in balance, some health insurance companies are getting on board and paying for the cost of nutrition therapy. Love it. Mm-hmm. So it's nice. Now, Mel and I, we also teach a variety of nutrition classes in the community. We teach lunch and learns for some local businesses. Now, Melanie, besides all of the things that you do outside of nutritional weight and wellness, I imagine you cook a lot. I cook all the time. (laughs) But, you know, Shelby, you know, I raised a family. I made food from scratch. Mm -hmm. So I like to do things a little bit on the quick side. And um, you can do that in your busy lifestyle. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't want to stand for days on end in the kitchen, but I'm I'm not going to compromise my health anymore. So I cook real food. Yeah. 
Yeah. Now, on this real food idea, of course, today we're going to be talking about that connection between real food and heart disease. But first, we want to look at the the research. So, Mel, can you tell us a little bit about the research? First, I'd like to say to all of our listeners, good morning and uh, (laughs) thanks for listening today. Fifty years ago, back in the 1970s, a diverse group of researchers proposed from their research that refined carbohydrates, especially sugar, and a low intake of fiber were major factors causing coronary heart disease. But unfortunately, as many of you know, their research was overshadowed by the belief that saturated fat was the culprit of heart disease. Mm. And we were able to stop, um, we were told, stop eating butter and lard and dark chicken meat and the skin of the poultry. That right there is sad as a Southerner, I got to tell you. <laughs> and of course, fatty um, cuts of steak, pork, because they were the cause of heart disease. The theory that saturated fat caused heart disease really prevailed from 1974 to 2014. And sadly, some people still believe, I hear in clinic, I'm sure you do too, Mm -hmm. that saturated fat causes heart disease. And I call it fat phobia. They're really afraid of it. Right. Well, that was actually the the cause for much of our discussion after dinner last night. Mm -hmm. Um, My parents were listening to a nutrition talk on their drive up to Minnesota yesterday. And um, being truly my, my father's daughter, he was asking the question, well, why? Why has saturated fat been poo pooed so much in the past, and so we went through. That's the that's a technical term right there. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so we did. We we kind of talked through these things, but we know that research since 2014 has continued to show that saturated fats. Now, listeners, those are things like butter, coconut oil, organic lard, organic tallow. Those play a much smaller role in heart disease. Whereas sugar, the grains, those processed cereals and other carbohydrates are the foods that we actually need to keep our eye on in order to prevent heart disease. So Shelby, let's talk about what exactly that means from a day to day perspective. Mm -hmm. Well, it means that in the past we were told to eat a bagel with margarine or I can't believe it's not butter. And I always say, what the heck is it then? (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) right. Um. Then we topped our toast or our bagel with some jelly or some jam, but absolutely no butter or cream Mm -hmm. cheese. I can remember this being in the Navy and it was a bagel with jelly. Yeah. Uh, Today we're told to eat eggs cooked in butter with bacon, yum, or sausage Mm -hmm. and a side of vegetables sauteed maybe in coconut oil or ghee, which is just clarified butter. Right. Um, You talk about confusing, right? Yeah. So which is it? Sugar or fat that causes heart disease? Well, older... Research from the 1970s found that sugar was implicated or perhaps even the cause of many, many diseases. Right. Well, because of this research in the 1970s about sugar and refined carbs, the sugar industry became alarmed. So (laughs) as they do. yes. Well, they're losing money, right? Right. Mm -hmm. So they went out and hired their own researchers to say that eating saturated fat caused heart disease. Right. Well, the knowledge of this scandal that the sugar industry actually hired researchers who were well paid to point the finger at saturated fat as being the cause of cardiovascular problems was only brought to light in 2016. Right. I think we both uh, 
had that article when we did a lunch and learn one time. Together. I do, and actually, for you listeners who who want to look at this with your own eyes, um, I have the New York Times article right here. The title is "How the Sugar Industry Shifted Blame to Fat," and the the date on that is actually September twelfth of twenty sixteen. So just four years ago. Yeah, I just googled New York Times sugar article and it popped right up. So you can read more about that um, after the show. And it's really it's false. It's very misleading research. So. Uh, it's so well ingrained in the minds of consumers that many people still believe it is saturated fat they need to avoid. I have clients mm-hmm. once or twice a week easily mm-hmm. telling me their doctor said mm-hmm. they need to avoid fat. Can so, I eat eggs? How I many eat eggs can I safely eat in a day? So I'm really worried about yeah. this. Mm-hmm. And um, they still believe it's saturated fat that they need to avoid. Right. Even though the current research shows that refined carbs and sugar are the leading cause of heart disease. You know, in statin companies, also, the, the pharmaceutical companies, they don't want to lose money on this either. So, right. right. Now, when we think about that major research, we're looking at that connection between what people are eating long-term and how that's influencing their health. Mm-hmm. Exactly. So... Another major research study published in the Journal of the American Medical Association's um, Internal Medicine Journal, that's a mouthful, (laughs) reported that a sugar-laden diet may raise your risk of dying from heart disease, even if you are not overweight. So this information reported from the research shows that sugar and refined carbohydrates lead to heart disease, not your eggs cooked in butter with a side of vegetable oils sautéed in, you know, coconut oil. So here's what else that that research study found. People who ate 25% or more of their calories from sugar were more than twice as likely to die from heart disease than those who only ate 10% of their calories from sugar. So maybe you guys are thinking, well, how are people consuming all of that sugar? And I think... Yeah, I think a lot of people don't think they're really eating that much sugar. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I think we should talk about that, but I think we um, have to take our first break. Okay. So if you're just joining us this morning, you are listening to Dishing Up Nutrition, brought to you by Nutritional Weight and Wellness. Today, we want to share with you the scientific evidence that found eating saturated fats of any kind have no effect on cardiovascular mortality. So if you're concerned about heart disease, I recommend you keep listening to our show this morning because we've got some ideas for you. We'll be right back. Welcome back to Dishing Up Nutrition. Here's another conclusion that was made from the review of data from randomized control trials. Diets that replace saturated fat with polyunsaturated fat do not reduce cardiovascular events or mortality. We like to put that in real people language. (laughs) Thanks, Melanie. (laughs) (laughs) Which basically translates to what we have been recommending to our listeners and our clients for years, even decades, is eat the butter, Mm -hmm. avoid the margarine from soybean oil, cook in coconut oil, and avoid soybean, corn, canola, and cottonseed oils. Of course, we love the research. But we want to help you realize how to use that research to make healthy choices. For right. our listeners, another radio show that I, I love and I will go back to and listen to, and I feel it explains this very nicely, is on October 14th, 2017. You can download our Dishing Up Nutrition podcast or search it on our website. 
is a podcast by Sally Fallon Morrell, and it's called Why We Need Animal Fats. It's mm-hmm. fantastic explanation. Yeah. We had Sally um, on Dishing Up Nutrition a couple of other times, but really talking about the importance of, of eating those good fats for good health. Yes. Yeah. The quality is important, though, because you had mentioned the four types of oils, the four types of fats we would consider bad. Exactly. The corn oil, the cottonseed oil, the canola oil, and the soybean oil. So, listeners, if you're at home this morning, go into the cupboard and see what are the types of oils that you're cooking with. Or pull out that salad dressing from the refrigerator and scan the label. If you see soybean or corn oil or canola oil... That's not the best choice for your health. Even some quote-unquote healthy protein Mm -hmm. bars. You've Mm got to watch everything. Right. You really do have to be reading those labels. That's the best way to make sure that you're getting those fats. Now, one of the reasons why we're, we're talking about fat this morning is because we're talking about heart disease. And we want to talk more specifically about that food connection between what we eat and how those vessels related to our cardiovascular disease are working. We don't want the narrowing or the hardening of those arteries that contribute to more heart disease. Now, before we went to break, listeners, I gave you a a statistic. I want to repeat because I think that it really drives home this overall idea for today. So here's what the study from the Journal of the American College of Nutrition, um, excuse me, the American, the Journal of the American Medical Association found uh, people who ate 25% or more of their calories from sugar were more than twice as likely to die from heart disease than those who ate only 10% of their calories from sugar. And then we asked the question, well, how are people consuming all of that sugar? So these researchers found that soda and energy drinks and even sport drinks are by far the biggest source of added sugar in the average American's diet. Now, you may be saying to yourself, or maybe you're talking back to the radio this morning saying, well, I don't even allow soda in my house or pop or cola, whatever you call it. (laughs) From the South, it's Uh, pop. (laughs) uh Uh-huh. So maybe you don't have soda in your house, but what do many people drink on their afternoon breaks when they need a pick-me-up? Or what drink is served to runners after a marathon? Or even what do those college students and high school students drink the day after they stayed up to pull an all-nighter to finish that project? Or the, or, tr- the treat coffee house uh-huh. you treat your kids to. Mm-hmm. Or even those little leaguers, what are they drinking after a game? Now, soda and sports drinks, even the energy drinks, and oftentimes the juice and the chocolate milk, those are all loaded with sugar. We know that ounce for ounce, orange juice, apple juice, those um, fruit smoothies that you see at the coffee house, those have the same amount of sugar as soda. Amazing. Mm -hmm. Now, we know most of our longtime listeners have given up soda, those energy drinks or the, the juice. But what about those salted caramel mochas or the peppermint mochas this time of year at the coffee house? You know, a 16-ounce salted caramel mocha has 15 teaspoons of sugar. And we know a 12-ounce can of Coke only has 10 teaspoons of sugar, only. (laughs) (laughs) But these days, when we have all these kind of fancy coffee drinks, 
people really are starting their day with 15 or 16 teaspoons of sugar right away. Now, we know as nutritionists and dietitians that most of that sugar is in the form of the flavored syrups that they make with high fructose corn syrup. And we've got lots of research about high fructose corn syrup, but research has found that high fructose corn syrup is the leading cause of inflammation and weight gain. So while you're in the cupboard this morning or your pantry or the refrigerator, see if you have things with high fructose corn syrup on there. Because ketchup. Yeah. It's everywhere. If so, know that that high fructose corn syrup is the leading contributor to inflammation and weight gain. Those those uh, sweetened items. Wow. Yeah, those are shocking numbers, Shelby. I used to love to drink um, chai drinks as well. Mm-hmm. Chai tea. Just a tea. I was just having a tea. Mm-hmm. And if you're a health nut and think that a 16-ounce chai tea at your favorite coffee house is better for you, you have to think again. <laughs> Tell us, Sadly, <laughs> on an average, a 16-ounce chai tea has 10 and a half teaspoons of sugar. woof that's a lot. If you can, you can compare that to a Snickers bar, which has seven teaspoons of sugar. So you can see that your chai tea isn't a good choice. Neither is your Snickers. I want to make sure I make that clear. So <laughs> when you're getting a three and a half teaspoons more than a Snickers bar, wow. You know that's going to create some inflammation. Definitely. Yeah. And for some reason, chai tea lattes with soy milk are all the rage with a lot of teenage girls. Mm -hmm. And I have to say a lot of the soy milk that they're using or any of those milks in the coffee house are additionally sweetened themselves. Mm -hmm. So does that mean that these teenage girls are setting themselves up for future heart disease possibly Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. with all that added sugar, you have to wonder. And that um, that's a definite possibility. Right. But that would depend on how frequently they drink these chai tea, chai tea lattes with soy milk and also what other sugar laden foods or drinks they consume throughout the day right so a quick side note adding soy to their drink is just as harmful as that sugar Mm -hmm. chai tea sounds healthy but just because oprah advertises chai tea with only seven (laughs) teaspoons of sugar it doesn't really mean that it's heart healthy right now what does sugar have to do with heart disease the the big idea here Listeners, sugar inflames your arteries. We don't want inflammation in those vessels or those arteries. True. Right? So we're really driving home that idea that the sugar in the standard American diet is increasing that inflammation very dramatically, potentially, you know, corresponding with that increase in high fructose corn syrup and the increase in obesity, heart disease, and, and frankly, type 2 diabetes. Now, I'm sure many of you listening are are wondering, well, they're not talking about saturating fat causing heart disease. So if saturated fat doesn't cause heart disease, how does sugar cause heart disease? And it really goes back to that excess sugar leading to excess inflammation in the body. So how does this really work? When we eat a lot of sugar, that increases our insulin levels. And high insulin levels result in more inflammation in all of the arteries throughout your entire body. More specifically, we know that the walls or the lining of those arteries become inflamed, which causes them to become stiff, grow thick, and even slow down that blood flow to your heart. 
Now, many doctors refer to these inflamed arteries as a disease called atherosclerosis or hardening of the arteries. The American Heart Association recommends limiting your daily sugar intake for women to six teaspoons or less Mm -hmm. and definitely Mm -hmm. no more than nine teaspoons for men. Right. Men, you aren't off the hook. Nope. (laughs) (laughs) For all of the parents listening today, the American Heart Association said children between ages 2 and 18 should not consume more than six teaspoons of added sugar per day. So Mm -hmm. ask yourself, how much sugar is my child eating or drinking? Right. The average American child consumes 19 teaspoons of sugar daily. Definitely exceeds the limit. Mm Mm-hmm. If you're sending a six ounce cup of flavored yogurt in your child's lunch, you're sending about five and a half teaspoons. Wow. So starting starting off with high sugar at lunchtime, we haven't even talked about breakfast. Mm-hmm. Mel, I want you to talk a little bit more about that sugar when we come back from break. You're listening to Dishing Up Nutrition. Today we are discussing the role sugar and processed carbohydrates play in the cause of heart disease. Heart disease is the leading cause of death for women today, and the occurrence for heart disease for women has dramatically increased since the 1950s when eating that low-fat, high-carbohydrate diet was first recommended. We'll be right back. Welcome back to Dishing Up Nutrition. If you are concerned about heart disease in your family and want to do something about it, I recommend that you and your family take the Weight and Wellness series of classes. I am happy to announce that we are teaching the Weight and Wellness series starting Monday, February 10th in the evening at our Eden Prairie location and Wednesday, February 12th at our North Oaks location. You will learn what fats, uh, which fats and are heart healthy and what you can eat, that you can eat real carbohydrates and cut mm-hmm. back on the not so healthy processed carbs. So sign up online, weightandwellness.com, or call 651-699-3438, and we can sign you up. Right. We spend an entire uh, two-hour chunk of time talking just about cardiovascular health in Class 5. Now, Mel, I also want to... But it's fun. Well, of course we make it fun. (laughs) But I also want to say, I believe this uh, spring... At the end of April, we will be hosting our weekend weight and wellness series. Um, So if you are a a podcast listener and you live outside of the Twin Cities area and you want to kind of eat up all of this information as well, come into the cities. End Mm -hmm. of April, it'll be beautiful. The flowers will will make sure all the snow's gone by then. Guaranteed. Um, Come learn learn with us for a weekend and really pick up that information for you and for your family. People love it. Yeah, they do. And it fills up fast. It does. So call the office 651-699-3438 or you can go to our website. Mel, I think you said it, weightandwellness.com. Yep. So before we went to break, um, you had given us kind of a shocking statistic. The average American child consumes 19 teaspoons of sugar. Now, for those of you who have kids and are listening, I want you to go to the pantry and scoop out. I'm sending you to the pantry a lot this morning, (laughs) (laughs) but I want you to scoop out 19 teaspoons of sugar and think, would you actually spoon feed this sugar to your child? They might like it, but don't do it. It's it's alarming. (laughs) It it is alarming. And you're thinking, you know, when you send them off with that um, fruit at the bottom or fruit mixed in yogurt, Mm -hmm. you're doing them, you know, a healthy favor. Right. 
and you're not. So how else does it add up in the day? Well, if you think about just that cup of pudding as the treat when they mm-hmm. get home from school or um, that just gives them another six and a half, almost six and a half teaspoons of sugar. And those just two, those are just two items. Right. We haven't even hit on beverages, right? So you've given your child over 12 teaspoons of sugar and that's twice as much as they should have in an entire day. And you, right. like many other people, thought flavored yogurt was considered a health food. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Once again, the consumer's been fooled right. by some really good marketing. Mm-hmm. What about the whole grain breakfast bar that you give your children as she or, uh, he or she, they run out the door to catch yeah. a school bus? Uh, you yeah. know, a granola bar is, is really just a cookie. Mm-hmm. And granola is really a crumbled cookie. <laughs> So, <laughs> and most of those granola bars have little mini dark chocolate chips in there or dried fruit that, that really increase yeah. that sugar. Or drizzled chocolate. And each cereal yeah. bar has at least four teaspoons of sugar, mm-hmm. which you may think is not very much, but that's teaspoon, two teaspoons from the daily sugar recommendation. And it's only 7 a.m. in the morning. And likely that sugar <laughs> in the granola bar or the flavored yogurt or the chocolate pudding is high fructose corn syrup. And remember, listeners, we mm-hmm. said high fructose corn syrup has been shown in the research to increase inflammation and weight gain. Two things we do not want. We don't want that. And yeah. there's inflammatory oils many, many times in these right, products. Right. So let's look at chocolate milk. Um, I, I was working on a fitness center and after every spin class, they recommended chocolate milk for the protein oh. and the energy source. I couldn't believe it. <laughs> oh. So there are two types of sugar in chocolate milk. That your child drinks at school. One is naturally occurring sugar in the form mm-hmm. of lactose. Right. And the other is the two and a half teaspoons of added sugar. Mm-hmm. One small carton might be okay, but two cartons gives your children five teaspoons of added sugar. On the other hand, plain full fat white milk has no added sugar. It's a much, much better choice. Right. And again, you may be asking the question, why are we uh, so concerned about consuming six teaspoons of sugar or more. Now, as nutritionists and dietitians, we know that when people are consuming more than six teaspoons of sugar daily, they're increasing that inflammation from, you know, small children uh, across the lifespan. Now, because researchers have found that eating too much sugar can raise blood pressure, it isn't too much salt. The real culprit is eating too much sugar. Now, excess sugar increases inflammation, which is another factor in heart disease. Dr. Frank Hugh, a well-known researcher and professor at the Harvard T.H. Chan School of Public Health, reported that excess sugar in the diet leads to high blood pressure, leads to inflammation, weight gain, diabetes, like type 2 diabetes, and fatty liver disease all of which are linked to an increased risk for cardiovascular disease. So I want to excess sugar in the diet leads to high blood pressure, inflammation, weight gain, diabetes, and fatty liver disease, all of which are linked for an increased risk of heart attack and stroke. Sally, I don't know. um, I'm sure you see this too, Shelby, in clinic. I'm Mm -hmm. seeing so many people coming in with fatty liver disease that don't (sighs) drink alcohol. Mm-hmm. But they have fatty liver disease, and I'm seeing younger and younger. I had a young right. 28-year-old teacher. Mm-hmm. So research reported that eating a diet high in sugar for just a few weeks has been found to increase your total cholesterol, your triglycerides, 
right. your LDL cholesterol, mm-hmm. your uric acid level, your insulin resistance, and it also lowers your good HDL cholesterol. Wow. So in the past, we're told it was saturated fats that affected our cholesterol. Mm-hmm. No one ever told us it was sugar. So right. It really is important for you to remember what I said. So I'll repeat it in the most basic terms. Give us the people terms. Give you the people terms. <laughs> uh, a diet high in sugar raises LDL cholesterol and lowers HDL cholesterol. I remember those from college. LDL, mm-hmm. I wanted low. HDL, I wanted high. L and H. Right. Right. <laughs> but really, Mel, what you're saying is that a diet high in sugar increases increases the damaging type of cholesterol. Yes. While also decreasing our protective cholesterol. Exactly. Shelby. Now, I thought this was really interesting. I was watching a webinar from Dr. Mark Houston. He is um, an internist and a specialist in hypertension and um, cardiovascular disease. He actually founded the Hypertension Institute um, down in Nashville, te- uh, Tennessee. Um, but dark, Dr. Mark Houston, well-known um, doctor says that LDL is more of like the excess garbage that we are accumulating in those vessels. It's kind of uh, sticky and it has that potential to continue uh, contribute rather to that placking and hardening of the arteries. So you do not want your LDL to be high, but he also called HDL, which I think this is, this is fun. He called HDL cholesterol our garbage haulers. Love so that. HDL kind of goes throughout the blood vessels and cleans up any damaged cholesterol. Now, what we said is when you're eating a diet that's high in sugar, you increase the garbage and you decrease the garbage haulers. Great. I love that. Not a good visual for those vessels. So tell us a little bit more about that research mel well uh once again it's based on faulty research we were told the higher levels of ldl cholesterol were from saturated fat Mm -hmm. now numerous research studies have demonstrated that it was actually eating too much sugar so we were vilifying fat we were when really we need to be focusing on the sugar Absolutely. And the hidden sugars. Exactly. Researchers also found that eating too much sugar, especially high fructose corn syrup, disrupted the hormone leptin, which Mm. is the key hormone for maintaining a normal body weight. If you're struggling with cholesterol numbers and gaining weight, the first thing to do is to cut down to eating only six teaspoons of added sugar per day, or really just eliminate. You're going to get it in other things. You don't need to count out six teaspoons of sugar. It's not what I'm saying. (laughs) And definitely you want to avoid all that high fructose corn syrup because that excess sugar also increases your risk of developing non-alcoholic liver disease, fatty liver. The information I'm about to share with you may come as a big surprise, but there is a stronger link between non-alcoholic liver disease and coronary heart disease than between smoking and heart disease or between hypertension and heart disease or even between high cholesterol and heart disease. So this is important. It bears repeating. There's a stronger link between non-alcoholic liver disease and coronary heart disease than between smoking and heart disease or between hypertension and heart disease or even between 
high cholesterol and heart disease. So Mel, really what I'm hearing you say is that non-alcoholic fatty liver disease is very strongly connected to heart disease. And we need to, we need to be on the ball with that. Yeah. So, um, We often think of smoking, we often think of cholesterol and high blood pressure, but we need to be paying attention to non-alcoholic fatty liver disease and how we we get that sugar under control. Now, before we talk a little bit more about sugar, we're going to go to our third break. You are listening to Dishing Up Nutrition. Next week, we invite you to tune in to Dishing Up Nutrition, same time, same place, to hear (laughs) Dar, Marcy, and Rich Frider from Learning Rx discuss how brain training and feeding your brain can actually help children and adults increase their focus, their memory, and their ability to learn. So you know it's going to be a, a good show. We'll be right back. Don't complicate Welcome back to Dishing Up Nutrition. Next Saturday, February 15th, is a special day for all of you women who are going through perimenopause, menopause, and postmenopause. Because Dar, Joanne, and Diane will be teaching our Menopause Survival Seminar at our Maple Grove location. It's an amazing seminar. Um, It not only focuses on solutions for those menopause symptoms, but also teaches you how to eat to avoid heart disease, osteoporosis, and even depression. I encourage you to sign up and spend a fun day of learning, laughter, and getting your personal questions answered. No question is uh, not asked in that class. (laughs) (laughs) So you can call 651-699-3438 to sign you up or do it online. Bring a friend. You can also sign up online, weightandwellness.com. And um, we hope to see you there. Yeah, I took that class. um, I am nowhere close perimenopause or menopause, but I still walked away with lots of good information. I feel um, it's it's well worth spending your Saturday um, out in our Maple Grove location. And they feed you. They feed you wonderful food. We won't be handing out Valentine's in the form of um, heart shaped candies or things like that. But I do believe they still have berries and cream with dark chocolate chips and pecans. So, you know, still really tasty. But We should get back into our topic about um, heart disease in women today. And and really, we have been talking specifically about how saturated fat was wrongly accused of increasing our risk of having a cardiovascular event. Now, Mel, before we went to break, you were telling us that non-alcoholic fatty liver disease has a stronger connection to heart disease than high blood pressure, high cholesterol, even smoking. So I just want to ask you, um, what are some of the the types of foods that you're helping your clients with when they show up at your office and are struggling with non-alcoholic fatty liver disease? What are the top things that, that you're having them kind of think about? Is it sugar? Is it carbohydrates? Is it fat? What? Really, it's, um, you know, you know, Shelby, we, we spend a long time initially mm-hmm. with our clients so mm-hmm. that we can really understand their personal makeup right? and what they need. And um, I really, really focus on first just getting them eating real food and eliminating processed right. food. Right. If we can, if we can just even get real food in there, I'm happy. And that um, real food that you can pluck from a farmer's field. Right. And eliminating those processed foods 
that carry all this damaging fats and carry the excess sugar and carry high fructose corn syrup. Right. So I'm sure you're helping your clients learn how to read labels and identify what type of foods have high fructose corn syrup or coming up with some basic menus Mm -hmm. because people want to know, well, what the heck am I going to eat for breakfast? Mm -hmm. You know, you, Mm -hmm. you have to break it down to practical terms for people to be successful. Now, listeners, I want you to think about this. If you or someone, you know, has recently been diagnosed with non-alcoholic fatty liver disease, Mel is your gal. Give the Lakeville office a call or you're still in Lakeville and Mendota Heights, yes, right? Yes. Um, you could set up an initial consultation with her or quite frankly, any of our um, nutritional weight They're and all wellness fantastic. counselors. But it sounds like if you've gotten that diagnosis, you probably want to sit down with a nutritionist or dietitian from nutritional weight and wellness and figure out what you need to do. To reduce that fatty liver disease, but also reduce your risk of heart disease. And it can be done. We've right. done it with clients time and time again. Uh-huh. They come back. All of my numbers are normal. The doctor says, I don't know what you're doing, but keep doing keep it. Keep doing it. <laughs> right, right. Now, we all know that sugars are not all created equal. So we're looking at sugar in processed foods as being the big culprit of inflammation and heart disease. But, you know, those naturally occurring sugars in fruit and vegetables, those pose no increased risk for heart disease. The problem really lies with those refined sugars and the ultra processed foods. Ultra processed foods are all of the products on the grocery store shelves with the added sugar. Those are the high risk foods. We'd call that uh, risky behavior, Mm -hmm. choosing those ultra processed foods. Now, unfortunately, 75% of all packaged foods and beverages contain sucrose or high fructose corn syrup or both. Or both. All (laughs) of the things. Right, right. Now, Have you ever tried to buy a regular unsweetened iced tea at the convenience store, finding something that doesn't have any sugar? It's a challenge. you got to look typically on the bottom shelf. (laughs) But almost all of those bottled iced teas contain at least three or four teaspoons of sugar. Eating or drinking ultra-processed foods with added sugar, that's all been linked to an increased risk of developing heart disease. And, you know, back to research, it has found that when people cut back on saturated fat, they increase their intake of processed foods. Ah. And these processed foods are Mm -hmm. high in sugar, which Mm -hmm. then increases their risk of heart disease. Right. So in attempt to avoid the fat, people have been eating more sugar. Oh, I can remember eating Mm. boxes of (laughs) snack wells back in the 80s. I mean, it was just terrible. Yeah. Um, with all these processed foods that we came out that were low fat, heart disease skyrocketed right. in our country. And right. even to this day, many people still believe the false research that saturated fat is the cause of mm-hmm. heart disease. So they they are to avoid it, even though current research shows that refined carbs and sugar are the leading cause of heart disease. It's no wonder people are so confused. Right. And we found that when our clients follow the weight and wellness eating plan... Their LDL levels decrease, their triglycerides decrease, and their HDL increases. Right. So it balances out. It does. It just, it's wonderful. Mm-hmm. Um, it's really not about your total cholesterol, as right. we well know. It really is on these, these values that matter. Right. Their blood pressure also decreases and their blood sugar normalizes. Right. We call this eating the magic of three. 
Mm-hmm. Eat real protein, real vegetables, real fat right. every three hours. Right. And we hope this show and broadcast that will help you to understand the potential threat that eating a high carb, high sugar diet poses for women and their cardiovascular system. And if you're concerned about getting heart disease or you already have heart disease, I encourage you to call our office at 651-699-3438 to set up an appointment with Mm -hmm. one of our nutritional weight and wellness dietitians or nutritionists. And we can teach you how to change your eating to literally change your life and save it. Right. Now, I want to bring the last few minutes of our show back to this practical idea of when we say eating the magic three, remember that's protein, vegetable and fruit carbohydrates and real fat about every three to four hours to get that blood sugar stabilized, to reduce that inflammation in the body. Um, What does that mean? Maybe we should give listeners an idea. First, I want to start with the fat because that seems to be where most of the misinformation, most of that misinformation is. I mean, when you are working with clients, Mel, and you're wanting them to eat real fat, what are some options that you that you lay out in that meal planning process? Well, uh, usually they're very excited when we say eat butter. <laughs> Everyone is so happy to go back to the real thing because the real food is what tastes delicious. Right. So. We're talking about butter that just has cream or maybe cream and salt on the label. That's it. And, it, mm-hmm. you know, ideally grass fed mm-hmm. because it's going to be higher in those omega threes. Right. Um, I also tell them roast your vegetables in some good old fashioned bacon fat. Mm-hmm. Mom, are you listening this morning? <laughs> we love cooking the Brussels sprouts and the the broccoli and, and bacon fat. Yes. And I, you know, I even give a little swipe to my dog because they need mm-hmm. those good fats too. Um, and then with the real cream, you know, is putting your coffee, some real organic cream. Right. Get those real fats going. My um, my HDL went when I really started incorporating much more butter. Um, my HDL went, it was at a good place at about mm-hmm. 59. My mm-hmm. H, good cholesterol went from 59 to 99. You had more garbage haulers to keep I your blood so clean. I had so many garbage haulers. I have no garbage <laughs> within me. <laughs> so, um, but, you know, it's delicious. And once clients recognize that when you add those healthy fats to your vegetables, mm-hmm. they're much more delicious than the boring steamed vegetables that we right. ate for years trying to lower our cholesterol. So not only are you getting the good fats, but you're also getting more vegetables because when you put butter on your broccoli, you're eating more broccoli. Yeah, that's the truth of it right uh. there, sister. <laughs> <laughs> so one of the other things that we talk about is, you know, eating more vegetables. And across the board, we know that people who have a lower risk of heart disease and have less inflammation in their body are eating more vegetables. And those vegetables, in turn, bring down the inflammation. Mm-hmm. And also that fat helps us carry nutrients into our body mm-hmm. from the vegetables. So it's a win-win. Right. So when you're working with clients with non-alcoholic fatty liver disease, or maybe they want to lose weight, or maybe they have heart disease... What are you shooting for in terms of uh, servings of vegetables a day? Well, I'm a little stickler for this, so Mm -hmm. I like to see five to nine servings. Mm -hmm. You guys remember, she worked in the Navy and she worked in prisons as well, (laughs) so she is a stickler on those vegetables. (laughs) I do not carry a weapon. (laughs) Unless bacon fat. (laughs) Yes, yes. She carries bacon fat, people. There we go. (laughs) Good. Well, we've had so much fun this morning, and I hope you guys have, have learned a few things about how you can reduce inflammation and in turn reduce that risk of heart disease.
Now, our goal at Nutritional Weight and Wellness is to help each and every person experience better health through eating real food. It's a simple yet powerful message. Eating real food is life-changing. Thank you for listening and have a wonderful day. Slow down, you move too fast. You got to make the morning last. Just kicking down the cobblestones. Looking for fun and feeling.